Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. Now a member of the Pod Gods Network. I am, like always, Skeletoni. And I, like always, am Taylor of Terror. You sound so thrilled about that. I was thinking about saying something different. <laughs> and now I'm Taylor of Terror, but I just didn't. Because okay. sometimes I'm Taylor of Terror. Uh, yeah, I could have. On the weekends. Although this isn't a weekend. And with you, as always, is Garth. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I know you, you're excited to be back. We are excited to be back. Um, Did you say podgodsnetwork.com? Podgodsnetwork.com. Do we have to say that? Yeah. Oh. I just said podcast network. You're supposed to say you're supposed to say the website too. Oh, sorry, sorry guys. Sorry everybody. I'll remember for next time. Um, how's it going? It's going pretty good. We uh, we're recording this episode a little earlier than usual. Yeah. Uh, I know you're running out of town this weekend, so we are recording on Thursday, uh, August 14th. Mm-hmm. So if any news breaks over the weekend, that's why we're not reporting on it. Right. Oh, I mean, we're only really missing. Two days. Two days of news. Um, anyway, uh, anything new? Uh, not really, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exciting lives. Yeah. You got some exciting stuff going on this weekend, sort of, I guess. Yeah, I got a uh, little bit of a staff get-together for SonicsRising.com. Mm-hmm. We uh, go into the... Taylor Moonlights as a, new, as a sports reporter, if you didn't know. That's true. Um... Yeah, we're going to the the former boss's house and swimming in the pool. Hopefully, hopefully it's nice this weekend. It's supposed to be, at least well, last I heard. Um, hopefully, it does, and then we can swim in the pool and hang out and eat some barbecue and have a good time. There you go. Yeah, the wife and I are going down to Portland for a for the corgi walk. For a corgi walk. <laughs> our uh, our little corgi puppy Dexter, Dexter Corgan. Get it. Um. Yeah, this, we we keep missing like these corgi get-togethers, but this one we're actually going to make it to. Um, and since we haven't had our honeymoon yet, we haven't really kind of you know gotten out of town after our wedding. This is kind of be kind of a a mini slash pre honeymoon. So a mini moon, mini moon. Uh, anyway, um, so before we get into horror business. Uh, I didn't discuss this with you beforehand, but I kind of want to just talk about something that's happened recently. Um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, uh, I guess, was it a week ago, today, the day you'd be listening to it, um, we lost Robin Williams. And um, this isn't really horror-related, but I know Taylor and I were both big fans. He was in One Hour Photo, which we could, could be considered a horror movie. Yeah, I, guess, I suppose so. Um, <clears throat> um, as I'm sure you've also heard, he ended his own life, um, which I'm sure we're not the only ones that came as a huge shock. Um, he, he was definitely not one of those people that you would have ever seen that coming. Yeah. I, I, I feel... It seems like a trite and cliche thing to say, but I mean, he was—he was such a larger-than-life personality that you just, you know, he was—he was always on. Yeah, and it, it's—he just seemed like such a bubbly and bright person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a surprise. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it's clear that he was just 
hiding. I, mean, I, I knew. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I knew he had a problem with with drugs in the past. But yeah, okay. I, I didn't know that he had a problem with depression. Yeah, I mean, it was um, this being what ultimately he decided to do. Um, it's very clear that he was hiding just immense amounts of pain. Yeah, and something that just came out today, actually. Um, his wife revealed that he was in the early stages of uh, Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. So we can only assume that contributed to his overall depression. Um, I just want to speak on kind of a personal note as somebody that has suffered with depression issues in the past. Um, there was a point in my life where I was medicated for um, depression and uh, kind of rage issues. Um, and there was also, uh, it, although it was brief, I mean, by comparison, there was a point where I was trying very hard to control those emotions and basically drown them out with alcohol. Um, and it, it, I feel like it's something I've been pretty open about. Um, and it, I've since kind of gotten it under control. I mean, I have a... I have a very rational mind, and so I tend to think through even my depression, which I understand. I know that's not something that a lot of, or that most people can do. Um, and I just really, I mean, have you ever had any problems in the past? I mean, uh, worth not to that extreme. I mean, you know, I had the usual teen angst and. Yeah. Uh, you know, like during and shortly after my divorce, there was times where I felt very low. Yeah, but it it never got to that extreme. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I, I I never contemplated suicide, even at my lowest points. Um, that was something that never even crossed my mind. Seemed like an option at all. <clears throat> So I'm a little kind of out of my scope to that degree. Um, I can't fully understand the problems that he was dealing with. Um, he uh, on in uh, 2010 he was on WTF with Mark Maron, um, and Mark Maron actually recently reposted that episode with kind of a kind of a introduction and kind of retrospective about when he met with Robin Williams. Um, I would really suggest you go listen to that. Um, it was, it's a good episode. Um, but he he himself talked about how, you know, even though he was, um, you know, won several awards, he was loved by everyone, almost. Uh, I mean, you know, he won an Oscar. He said that that high lasts for like a week, and then it's back to the lows. Wow. Um, so, I mean, depression is something that I won't, I won't even suggest that it could be, it's easily managed because they say that it is, I mean, medical professionals say that it is, but those of us that have had depression issues know that it's not A, a lot of times you seem, it feels hopeless and there's nowhere left to go. Um, and I actually... I always considered suicide to be selfish. I mean, that's something that's been 
frequent in the media and you know people talking about it saying that he was very selfish because he left behind a wife and three kids right um and i was always kind of in that frame of mind suicide always seemed very selfish to me but i actually saw something um i was just reading through i think it was just facebook things and somebody had posted something about Suicide in general. Uh, no, sorry. It was about Robin Williams specifically. Um, commenting, saying that suicide is not selfish, you know, as independent, free-thinking beings, we should potentially be allowed to choose that we don't want to continue living. Which I can't say that I agree with. I mean some Facebook post isn't going to change my mind. You know, right, I'm, sure. I'm not that easily manipulated, um, but it does open up kind of a line of reconsideration in my mind. I saw an interesting metaphor that was actually based on a Robin Williams quote <clears throat> that he had said, I believe it was in his standup that like life is short and afterlife is forever. But the, the quote was that death is nature's way of telling you your table is ready. And this article went on to say that Robin Williams pushed his way past the maitre d' and took the table himself. <laughs> Which, you know, is an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's supposed to be this thing that we're all waiting for. And he just kind of jumped the line. Yeah. Um, not waiting for. <laughs> right. Um it's funny, or well, not funny, but it, it's interesting that, again, in uh, the interview he did with Mark Marin, he spoke about the time before that he had contemplated suicide. He had relapsed. Um, he, he was clean and sober for 20, 20 20-something years, um, and he had relapsed. And he had basically hit the bottom you know, rock bottom again, and he was contemplating suicide. And the way he explained it is if, like, there was a part of his mind that was almost another person kind of discussing with himself how silly it was. It's like, you know, basically talking himself out of it and saying, you know, you don't want to do this. What are you thinking? I mean, look at what, look at what you're thinking. Um, I mean... Basically telling himself, you know, what's what's so bad about your life? And it, I, I suppose it was good at the time that he managed to talk himself out of it. Um, I don't know that he ever sought any kind of counseling um, or, you know, therapy of any kind. Um, but um, it's a very, very sad thing. Um, I know that some of my favorite character, movie characters to this day are Robin Williams. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I said a lot of this in a pretty lengthy Facebook post that I had made. Um, but to this day, um, Genie from Aladdin is like is my favorite Disney character. Oh yeah, by far. Yeah, um, and he. Um, you know, you know. I loved Popeye when I was little. It was the first movie I can remember watching over and over. Um, 
Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji. I, I loved Jumanji when it came out. Me too. That's what we watched that night. Nice. And uh, something I saw you point out, something I didn't see anybody else mention, was Toys. Toys. Yeah. That, that movie is great. So I, good. I loved that movie when I was a kid. And it pissed me off because I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> um, yeah, but. if you haven't seen Toys, definitely check that out. Grossly underrated. Yeah, it's a, it's a little small little golden nugget that a lot of people don't yeah it's got robin williams and jane cusack and ll cool j yeah and the guy that played dumbledore (laughs) yeah one one of them i don't know if it was the first or second one but um but uh yeah um anyway uh so i just want to mention that like if you are in a place in your life where you're getting to a point where you don't see light anymore. All you, see, you look around you and all you see is darkness and, and hopelessness. And you feel like nobody has, nobody is around you anymore. And you're just on this island alone. Um, it, it's, it's not true. Everybody in this world has somebody that, that loves them and cares for them. Even if it's a complete stranger. I mean, a lot of people say it's in our nature to destroy ourselves. And sometimes it's hard to convince myself that isn't true. But I think there's there's a a brightness and a a love inherent in human nature that helps us to keep each other here keep each other happy and loved and and welcome so everybody in the world it doesn't matter who you are there's somebody that cares for you um but if if you're having trouble kind of digging yourself out of that hole then it's very important that you know that there is a national suicide prevention lifeline um, somebody is going to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, there will always be there some, someone there to talk to you. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, also, you can go to the Suicide Prevention Life... Sorry, not the, just suicidepreventionlifeline.org. There is actually a live chat on that website that you can do if you prefer not to speak personally to someone. If I mean, if you're someone like me, or I'd much rather type something out than actually talk to someone. Um, and you can do it anonymously, both on the phone and on the website. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to give your name. You it's tell completely you anonymous if, yeah. if you want it to be. And there's going to be somebody there to talk to you and show you that things can be okay if, if you just give yourself a chance to... To, to be in that place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's, that's all I really have to say on this. Um, I'm, I'm really going to miss Robin Williams. Um, I'm sure you, you, you are too. Um, yeah, Kevin was the first one to tell me about it. And literally my reaction was, I just dropped everything and went, no, 
like, and I started searching for the internet that it had to be a fraud. It can't be true. Yeah. That was my only reaction was no, no, no. Yeah, I was on the freeway driving. <laughs> you know, I listened to the uh, news radio on my way to and from work. And I was heading home and was driving on the freeway, and you know, CBS News breaks in. You know, they they, they do their report at the top of every hour. Huh? <laughs> um, and it says, uh, "Beloved comedian and actor Robin Williams." I'm just like, "Oh, I thought he said he was going to be in an a- it was an accident or he's in a coma or something or suffered a heart attack because he actually had had a heart heart attack before." Yeah, he had a cow valve in his heart. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, he says, uh, has passed away at 63. No, no way. And then when they said it was a suicide, like, <clears throat> I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. so blown away. Uh, it was one of those feelings where your extremities go numb, you know? Yeah. Like, I just felt like all my energy just wash out of me. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, thanks for, you know, bearing through this. With, with, what are we at, like 10 minutes now? Um, 17. Ah, well. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah. So, remember, it, there's somebody there that, that... There's somebody out there that cares and loves for you, so you just... And I mean, hell, if nothing else, like, we won't answer, but if you want to call us and leave us a voicemail, we'll, we'll listen to it. We'll, you know, if you want to live, give, send us an email or whatever, we'll listen to you. Yeah. I, we're not trained professionals or anything, but we're, we're here. Yeah, I mean. We got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you would rather talk to somebody that's just going to listen and maybe give you some, some advice from where we can, can give it. Yeah, shit. I mean, we're both available. Just like even our personal profiles. I think we're both available on Facebook. Hit us up. I mean, yeah, we we want to be there for you, and we'll help you in any way that we can. And like I said, send us an email: graveplotpodcast at gmail dot com. We check that all throughout the day. Go yeah. straight to our phones. So yeah. All right. So that being said, shall we do some? Horror business? Shall we do? do we, we shall do. <laughs> do shall we. You said douche. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. All right, let's keep on the depressing note. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it's good that we do these first. Like we mentioned, I think it was last episode. We do the sad stuff first. It's all uphill from there. Bring it or up. downhill. Which, whichever one's the good one. Uh, down. Down, I guess. But you don't want to like, bring downhill. things down. Walking downhill sucks a lot less than walking uphill. Well, that's true. But, okay. Anyways. Irrelevant. Okay. Um, start off with... Some, also, some sad news. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fans out there will, are probably already aware that Marilyn Burns has passed away. Um, she played Sally in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, a lot of people consider her to be the original final girl. Um, and I 
kind of contemplated that when I first read it. Um, and honestly, I couldn't really think of anyone else before her. She kind of springboarded that modern style slasher, um, you know, kind of survivor girl. Yeah. I'm racking my brain here trying to think of anything before that. And I just, like I can think of girls that survived movies, but they weren't the stereotypical final girl. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, she, she passed away in her home in uh, Houston. Um, she was discovered by police after her brother uh, attempted to uh, he he was attempting to call her and contact her, and then he actually went to her home and was, she was non-responsive. Uh, she you know she wouldn't open the door, so he called the police and the police entered the home and found her. Um, as the, the they were reporting this, um, doesn't seem that the cause of death is known. Um, but it, it appeared to be a natural causes. Um, she was 65 years old. Um, so this is, uh, that's a shame. I mean, yeah, I'm looking to see if they have posted a uh, cause of death since we first wrote this down, but I don't, I don't see anything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's likely that it was just natural causes. Um, I mean, she wasn't old by today's standards but she was she may have had a heart attack or something yeah something so um that's sad but she's uh she's at peace now along with Robin Williams and uh Lauren Bacall who also passed away recently actually the same same day I think that Robin Williams next day it was the next day yeah okay um well, won't, won't get into this because it's it's you know we've spent enough time on non horror related business, but um, she was a actress from the 30s and 40s, and so, yeah, she was a stage actress. Um, she was kind of like the maybe kind of like the original diva, maybe like almost like Marilyn Monroe before Marilyn Monroe, that type of. That type of person. She was married to Humphrey Bogart. Um, I think she was 91, I believe. I'm not sure. Anyway, so, sad news, but um, they are all at peace now. The stars at night are big and bright Deep in the heart of Texas The prairie sky is wide and high in the heart of Texas. Um, I want to go off script here for a second. Okay. Kind of, it's something we should have put on the list and we didn't. Um, and keeping in the same vein, they're making a prequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Called they are. Leatherface. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't know why we didn't put this on the list. I don't know. This is actually, this, this news was, they, they first announced it quite a while ago. Um, I think I think maybe today or semi recently they um, announced more news about it, which I assume that's what you're going to get into. Um, well, yeah, I, they just announced that it was going to be a prequel. Really? That's yeah. How did I already I know that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
But it's being written by Seth M. Sherwood, who um, apparently has no credits to his name. Good. Yeah. Um, and it will center on Leatherface's teenage years. Uh-huh. So that should be interesting. Puberty is hard. Sometimes it makes you want to wear people's faces. Yeah. I mean, I felt like that before. Um, this seems like they're going to be kind of biting the style of the what, what sounds like is developing to be the um, Friday the 13th TV series. Yeah. Just showing. Probably a little bit. Yeah. Well, and maybe to a lesser extent, um, uh, Bates Motel, which I think we've discussed that before. Yeah. Um, this is the, the eighth film in the franchise, and actually the second one called Leatherface, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 is actually, the uh, subtitle is Leatherface. It's actually called, actually the, the subtitle is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. The movie is titled Leatherface. Mm, like Rambo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah, that's supposed to come out soon. I don't know. I mean, not like this year, but... Um, it's it's in production now, I believe. So, well, that can't miss. <laughs> it, it could. <laughs> um, so we've talked to you several times about what was destined to be just a fucking train wreck, uh, which is better known as Ghostbusters 3. <laughs> um, the news now is that that project, is it appears to be dead. Yay! <laughs> Yay! But hold on. Oh. Um, they're making, instead... A reboot. Oh, fuck. Hold on. It's going to be an all-female Ghostbusters team. Uh. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be directed by Paul Feig? I, I would just, I would, that would, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Who uh, directed Bridesmaids. So, this movie will likely star Melissa McCarthy... Yeah. I don't mind her just as a Ghostbuster. Yeah. I I like her. I think she's funny. But she's like a female Jack Black. She has one character. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, So I'm getting tired of her. My wife loves her. I think, didn't you say your your girlfriend likes her too? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, my wife can't get enough of her. But uh, my he also directed the Heat, starring Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> uh, so this is just gonna be a fucking disaster. Thoughts. It's this guy. Wait, wait for the picture to load. You'll recognize him. Okay. But he's an actor, too. 
Um, let's see, what was he in? Uh, he was in Knocked Up. He was on an episode of Arrested Development. Oh, him. Okay. But yeah, um, like, I don't, I don't know. Just the idea of an all-female Ghostbusters just sounds hackneyed. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's trying to be very progressive. Yeah. It's not just happening in a natural progression. It's, look, an all-female Ghostbusters team. We're so progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm going to tread very carefully here because I don't want it to come across as something I don't actually mean. But rehashing old ideas and changing them to include a different... What's the word I want? I guess just a different gender or race or whatever is getting very old. Yeah, like it it never feels natural. No, it always feels forced. It feels like they're trying to appeal to a certain demographic and so they shoehorn in these characters and it's not just movies like comics are getting really bad about that's it. where I, that's where i was going yeah and like in the the new fantastic four movie why is johnny storm black and sue storm is white explain that to me I, because I, I, I guess is one of them adopted i don't know I, I don't know if one of them is adopted or if they're like half brother and sister but it's like johnny storm and sue storm are full-blooded siblings. Yeah. They're not... They're not... It's not an adoption. They're not half-siblings. So why change that just to put a black guy in in an already existing white character role? I won't... I won't go... I won't stand on a soapbox about that. I mean... I've probably already said too much. I sound like a probably just a complete asshole now. Like, make Ben Grimm black if you want to go that route. But but why? Like I said, they, they feel like they have to. I don't think it's ever because this guy is the best guy for the role or because it makes sense. Always, that's, what they, that's what they always say. That's what they say, of course. Yeah. But it's it, it always feels like they're doing it specifically to appeal to a certain demographic. Yeah. And some you know you know who did it right who did it the perfect actually there's I think there are two examples that don't seem forced <clears throat> both in in comics Marvel specifically Ultimate Spider-Man The current Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe is Miles Morales. He is half black, half Latino. Latino, I think maybe Puerto Rican. You know, yeah, Latino of, of, of one sort or another. Yeah. Um, and he... Uh, I forget exactly how he inherited these spider powers like Peter Parker, but Peter Parker died in the comics. Completely legitimately. Um, again, I don't remember exactly how, but he died. And so after a lot of hemming and hawing and, and you know back and forth miles picked up the mantle of spider-man 
and he actually went into a different, like a, I think it was the, the standard Marvel universe, and actually spoke with Peter Parker in the standard Marvel universe, and basically got his blessing, to be Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, so. That. Is fine. They did that perfectly. Have you heard the rumor of who could play Miles Morales in a potential movie of that Spider-Man? Oh, I've heard Jaden Smith. Yeah. That'll never fucking happen. Um, Depends. If Will Smith puts enough money into it, it'll happen. I don't think even Marvel will sell it to him. Um, or I guess I say, should say, I don't think even he has enough money to buy Marvel's properties from them. Um, anyway, um, especially because they're owned by Disney. Disney also never, never lease a property. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then also um, Captain America. Uh, I, I would say Green Lantern, too. Well, Green Lantern, it's not the standard DC universe. It's an alternate universe where Green Lantern... He's he's not even Hal Jordan. It's a different guy, altogether. He yeah he's gay. There's been a black Green Lantern too, though. Oh yeah 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 he uh, yeah he was kind of the next in line I think because with the Green Lantern, I'm sure anybody even even saw the movie. The the Lantern picks who's next in line. Right. Um, and so yeah he picked when when uh, Hal Jordan. I don't think he died. I think he just kind of gave it up or quit, basically. If I remember right, I could be wrong. Yeah, the the lantern picked John Stewart. Anyway, also, um, yeah, Captain America. Steve Rogers lost his powers. I don't know exactly how. I haven't read in on it. Um, but uh, Falcon took up the mantle of Captain America. So now Captain America is black. That's fine. Falcon was a buddy of Steve Rogers. Um, and, you know, he can represent that. I was talking to my brother about it. It's like but Captain America and Batman. Somebody else takes on the, the, the mantle of either of those characters. It has to be kind of a family affair. So yeah. it's close to the original person. And so that's fine. But then you get into something like Thor, where I don't know the details of that, but Thor's a woman now? Uh, something along the lines of the hammer. It's, it's similar to Green Lantern that the hammer picks the well, person. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who this woman is um, and like what if she's a pre-known character or whatever. But yeah, it's the same thing. Thor was deemed unworthy of wielding his hammer which bears all of his powers and so this woman was deemed worthy and now she's she's not Thor but she has the power of Thor and she's called Thor right um, anyway so you know we've gone on a rant for a little too long but as, as far as Ghostbusters go my biggest problem is that it's all female. Like, does it need to be all female? Yeah, it's just it's going to turn from a comedy that can everybody that everybody can enjoy into a chick flick. I will say, as far as bridesmaids bridesmaids goes, it's it's not like a 
a comedy for women. Like, I mean, it is to an extent because they can relate to that situation better than you, and, you or I could. But it's not a bunch of, you know, period jokes and stuff. It's it's a fairly universal comedy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's funny, but I think women find it funnier. Especially married women, I think. I'm sure. Because like I said, they can relate. Or if women who have been bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think they could go with, you know, one or two female Ghostbusters in the team and accomplish more not even what they're going for they could accomplish more by doing it that way because then they could appeal to both genders or better yet and then there could be like a love interest thing and it could be you know it would be even better if they just dropped it all together and left it alone that's that's a decent idea yeah okay we spent enough time on this let's move on Are you familiar with the Duplass Brothers? By name only. I don't know their work. At least, I, I, I might. I just don't associate them with it. I believe their best-known movie is Safety Not Guaranteed. It has Aubrey Plaza and uh, the guy that plays Nick on New Girl. Jake Johnson, I think his name is. I haven't seen it. Man. Well, they, they do a lot of like independent films. Um and Mark Duplass plays Pete on The League. I don't know if you watch The League, but... I I, I have watched it. I don't watch it regularly. Okay, no. well, he plays Pete. And the, the Duplass brothers are moving into horror now, which is a, an interesting take. If you've seen their other movies, they definitely don't seem like horror kind of guys. Mm-hmm. But they're actually coming out with a trilogy uh, called Creep. And it's written by Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce... It will be released by Blumhouse and Time Warner Radius. It's about a videographer who answers an online ad to film a stranger in a remote mountain town for a personal project that turns sinister. Uh-huh. Kind of sounds similar to Tusk. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking that. Uh, but to a uh, less fucked up degree. Yeah. Um, at least less out there. Right. I mean, do we know anything else about this? Um, all we really know is Mark Duplass is playing the psycho. Okay. Which, again, if like if you've seen his movies or watched The League, he does not come across as the kind of person that would play a psycho. <laughs> so I'm really interested to see him take on that role. Mm. Um, we know that part one is supposed to be released later this year. Uh, I think they're filming now. And part two and three are supposed to come out next year. So he's uh, they're they're very ambitious about this. Like the Wachowskis. Yeah. The Matrix. Right. Whoa. <laughs> Dodging bullets like every day. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's something we'll keep you updated on. It's Like I said, it's very ambitious that not only are they already saying, we're going to do a trilogy, we're going to do three parts, but the, that they're going to put out two in one year. That's... Very ambitious. Yeah. Uh, of course, I mean, it's not like they're doing Star Wars or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I believe it's found footage. Ah, uh, fuck. That's how they're putting out two in one year. That's, yeah. Uh, all right. 
So I'm I'm interested, um, but not necessarily like excited. Sure. Mostly, I just I just want to see Mark Dubois play a psycho. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll wait for a trailer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. So, most of you know that Taylor and I are both very excited to see uh, Evil Dead 2, you know, the sequel to the remake. We were both big fans of the remake, uh, regardless of what other you snobby assholes say. Um, but. Uh, the star of the film, the original film, not the original, the original remake. Original remake. <laughs> yeah. That's an oxymoron. Sure. You're a moron. You're an oxy. Okay. Um, Jane Levy. Who uh, played Mia. Who played Mia. Uh, she was quoted as saying, uh, I don't think they're going to make it. I mean, they're always coming up with a new thing. Now I hear they're making a TV show. I was like, what? I honestly don't know, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be an Evil Dead 2 anytime soon. At least not with me in it. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the next, she was also quoted as saying, I think they're just, they just like exciting their fans and confusing them. Which is definitely true. That, that was in relation to the TV show. Oh, so what, she doesn't think they're going to actually do the TV show? She, she thinks they're just fucking with everybody. You know, that was my first suspicion, since it wasn't really verified by anybody. Especially, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, especially when, you know, the rumor started flying that Bruce Campbell was going to be in it. Just based on one thing that he said on Twitter. I don't think, it, I mean, that was weeks ago, and I still don't think they've confirmed that he's actually going to be in it. I'm still waiting to hear some more about Army of Darkness 2. Yeah, don't hold your fucking breath. That's what I'm saying. We're getting trolled yeah. by Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, I mean, he, we know that he is just kind of a... I don't want to say he's a dick, because he didn't really come across that way, but he's fucking lazy. He's flaky as hell. Yeah, that. Yeah, I guess that's, that's probably the main thing. He, he has a, a very strong tendency to announce things before they're concrete... And then they just kind of flutter away by the wayside. Yeah. Um, and we know Bruce. He Bruce, def- Bruce is a dick. Yeah, Bruce. He's fucking trolling everybody. <laughs> fuck with people. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've, I've got this kind of in the back of my mind. I don't keep it readily accessible. And I don't think about it all the time. Because I know that Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi are kind of assholes about it. Yeah. So I'm not getting, I have yet to get overly excited about it. So, I mean, this is disappointing, especially because of the star of the movie, the one you'd think would be in the sequel for sure. Doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. I especially don't like the line where she says, at least not with me in it. Yeah. Like if they made evil dead two and it didn't even have Mia in it, it would just seem completely unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, all three of the original trilogy had Ash in it. Yeah. I mean, is the, the the statute of limitations on spoilers over yet? Um, well, we can just say spoiler alert. 
okay, well, his, or Mia, spoiler alert here, Mia's brother, the one you think is going to be, like, the Ash character, even, like, the thing, like, the clothes he's wearing even resembles sort of what Ash was wearing in the original movie. Kind of, you know, a blue button-up shirt. I don't remember what David was wearing. I do remember what Ash was wearing, but I don't remember what David was wearing. This is pretty similar. Okay. But he, he, he just got the impression that he was going to be, like, the Ash character, but then he died. Yeah. I mean, they, they did more or less kind of split the character into the two Ash and, or uh, Mia and David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially towards the end. Yeah. Um, so, being that David died, obviously that, the, the, the Ash role falls to um, Mia. So yeah. you'd expect her to be in sequels. And, I would hope. I don't know. And she's a little cutie. She is. It's. Have you seen her recently? I don't. I don't. She's got kind of like auburn hair now. It's kind of like like a almost like a strawberry blonde. Mm-hmm. Well, she, she, she was on some show. Sub, Suburgatory is that what it's called? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think she had that kind of hair on that show. But yeah, she. She's uh, usually pretty cute. Sometimes she looks a little funky, but <laughs> um, but anyway. So yeah, this is disappointing to hear. But um, while we're not losing sleep over it, I don't. I'm not ready to give up hope yet. Well, I I don't know what to think. Like I can't believe this because I can't believe that it's going to happen in the first in the first place. <laughs> that was my dog sneezing. Um, so I don't know. Like. It, it, Everything that I hear about Evil Dead, I take with a fucking grain of salt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Whether it's it's going to happen or it's not going to happen, all of it, I'm just like, eh, we'll see. It's especially if I like, read an article and I see the words Raimi. Bruce Campbell said? Oh. Or I see the word Raimi or Campbell anywhere in the article. <laughs> According to Campbell, yeah, okay. <sighs> anyway, but I mean, this is the, the TV show is something that Raimi announced at Comic Con, so. If he's blowing smoke about that, I did it in front of a lot of people. I just like got this vision in my head of Raimi and Campbell being like Andy Kaufman and Bob Zamuda. <laughs> like back in the locker room. It's like, all the fuckers fall for it. <laughs> what a bunch of stupid assholes. <laughs> anyway. So if there's more information, we will, of course, pass it on to you. Because that's what we do. <laughs> Headline on this next story. Yep, very <laughs> clever. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies rises once again. Ah, uh, get it? I see what you did. I see it. Uh, yeah, this this is something that's been in the works for fucking ever. Um, originally a book by Seth Graham Smith. He basically took Pride and Prejudice and wrote in zombies. Basically, yeah. By basically meaning exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I got I got um, the book for my birthday a few months ago. I haven't really had time to get into it. I've only read like the first like couple chapters so far. But I, I've never read 
Pride and Prejudice, of course. But um, it, it, it's, it's a little hard to read because he definitely uses that Victorian, those, you know, Victorian speech patterns like Jane Austen did. Jane Austen wrote that, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, they've been trying to adapt it into a movie form for years. Mm-hmm. It originally had Natalie Portman was supposed to both produce and star. She dropped off. Uh, and then somebody else was signed on, who I don't remember who it was now. Anne Hathaway? Anne Hathaway, yeah, that's who it was. Um, th- now it's starring uh, Lily James, who is from Downton Abbey, which... Nope. My girlfriend watches it, but I'd fucking avoid it like hell because it's the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Why would you want to watch an hour, multiple hours of snooty British people? I do not get it. But she's playing Elizabeth Bennet. Uh, Sam Riley, who was in Maleficent, uh, is playing Mr. Darcy. Hold on, I gotta mess with the mic. Oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Okay. And, uh... Bella Heathcote is playing Elizabeth's sister, which is probably Jane. I don't know about the movie or the book, so I really don't know who these characters are. Right. <laughs> I'm just reading. But um, she is an uh, Australian actress, so she'll that should be interesting, hearing an Australian actress do a British accent. I guess they're not that far off, though, are they? Not really. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's mean, being directed by Burr Steers, which is a person's name. Burr. <laughs> sounds like a cowboy. It sounds like a ranch. <laughs> Welcome to Burr Steers Ranch. <laughs> and it's it's set to start filming in September, so it looks like this is finally going to happen. We'll see. I mean, September is still a few weeks away. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the screenplay is is written by Seth Graham Smith as well. So, oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, Seth Graham Smith, like, it just he just writes everything. <laughs> Every move you've ever seen, Seth Graham Smith. He wrote it. <laughs> At least everything coming out in the next decade or so is going to have <laughs> Seth Graham Smith somewhere on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, we'll we'll report back to you if we hear anything else. We'll we'll tell you when it when it gets shit canned again. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, a production company, um, which I don't think we have the name of, um, was, uh, sorry, I, I guess I should say this was actually a tip that was sent into Mance Media. Thank you. Um, this is actually a tip that was sent into Bloody Disgusting from a, a reader, uh, kind of an anonymous reader, I assume, um, that there is going to be a possible Resident Evil inspired TV series. Um, there's no mention of what channel this would be on or, or anything of that nature. WB. No, I'm joking. WB doesn't exist anymore, so that'd be interesting. UPN. <laughs> um, uh, the the title of the series is called Arclay, which players... Arclay Asylum. Nope. Um, that's Batman. That's Arkham. <laughs> Stop interrupting. <laughs> uh, 
those of those of you that are fans of the game and have, have played it um, know that Arclay is the name of the mountain or the, the, the mountain range, I guess, the Arclay Mountains in Raccoon City, where the Arclay Mansion was located in the original Resident Evil game. Um, and it sounds like it's actually going to be kind of a sort of a supernatural horror-themed crime procedural. Kind of like... I think it might be sort of in the vein of Gotham, in that it tells the you know story that we all know, the story of you know how Batman came to be through the eyes of a cop. Um, the The premise is when Detective James Reinhardt is thrust into a series of bizarre homicides, he unravels the city is hiding a dark conspiracy. Learning a fatal virus is connected to it all, Reinhardt discovers that it's already coursing through him. With time no longer on his side, he must solve the conspiracy to save his own life. So, it sounds like this detective is actually infected with presumably the T-virus, or maybe a predecessor of the T-virus, depending mm-hmm. on when it takes place in in the series. Um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily say if it's like a, a prequel or like a side right. um, parallel to the original story. Well, I mean, I, I would have to assume it was a prequel because in the original game, the Stars team is sent, and the Stars team is like an elite squad. It's like basically if you took like every best SWAT team member and put them in one team together. Um, that's basically what Stars is. Um, so you have to assume some shit has gone seriously long if they sent them out. Um, so if you've just got a, a, a detective working on this case, then you'd have to assume things haven't gone terribly wrong yet. When you assume, you make an asshole out yourself. Out yourself. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, something that confused me, though, is that he's learning. he learns that a fatal virus is you know, coursing through him already. The T-virus progressed pretty quickly. Pretty, yeah. yeah, pretty quickly. Um, you know, somebody, like, I can remember one particular part in the game where you're reading a, a scientist's journal, and inside of, like, a week, he goes from first infection to, like, full-blown zombie so I mean unless they manage to fit this maybe this is the S virus the S virus <laughs> maybe maybe it's the S virus um I don't know it seems like the fact that he's already infected makes this the need for this to be a much more concise show necessary <laughs> yeah um Anyway, so yeah, okay. I guess we do have this in our notes. Uh, as Taylor mentioned, it is being uh, there is it's headed up by Mance Media, and the scripted series is created by a new guy, um, Sean Christopher Liebert or Liebert 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 probably Liebert. Um, and the show is said to kind of delve into the mysterious homicides of Raccoon City. So this could be interesting. Um, depending on how they approach it, um, it'd be nice to see some kind of crossover between the game and this. I would think there will be eventually. 
I mean, yeah, I, I guess presumably there would have to be. Um, otherwise, you're going to lose your audience. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be... The thing is, there's got to be zombies and monsters that can't pussyfoot around that shit. True. Um, so... Um, like I said before, doesn't seem that there are any um, channels that would pick this up, like in the works yet. This sounds like it's still kind of an idea that's sort of up in the air. But as we hear more, we will uh, keep you abreast. To any new details? <laughs> yeah, I said breast. Did you say abreast titty new details? <laughs> No. Resident Evil. Um, related to our last story, um, Resident Evil 1 is getting the HD treatment. Um, a lot of you remember back in 2002, um, Capcom actually released an updated version, basically like restructured from the ground up, you know, graphics wise, you know, game wise. Um, they redid the first game. For exclusively for GameCube, which, in retrospect, was a big mistake because, you know, who the fuck has a GameCube anymore? Well, who had a GameCube when they had GameCubes? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, GameCube didn't last long. Um, I they, had the purple one. Aren't they all purple? No, there was purple, black, and silver. Ah. Um. And also, the the fact, when the first Resident Evil game came out, it was a PlayStation exclusive. That's right, yeah. And then, when they re-release it as an updated version, it's a GameCube exclusive. And the fact that GameCube wasn't around long meant that there's really nowhere they could go with it. Yeah. It was kind of like Platinum Dunes fucking up Nightmare on Elm Street, so there's nowhere to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I just like the first analogy that came to my mind. So they just took this potentially lengthy series and just put a roadblock in front of it. Shit on it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I digress. Um. This will be a um, remaster of the remake. Um, it'll come with updated graphics. I like I like how the R and the E are both capitalized. Very good. Get it? Yep. Um, it's going to come with updated graphics, full 1080p support, uh, classic 4.3 and 16.9 widescreen ratio modes, 5.1 surround sound, which I'm a big fan of, and both an updated con- control scheme as well as the game's original controls. So this is going to be something that I will buy. <laughs> is this going to be for all of the next-gen systems? or I believe so. Um, so it'll be for PS4 and X-Bone? X-Bone. <laughs> um, yes, I believe. Um, I think there might actually be a PlayStation 3 version 2. I, I, I don't know for sure. but PlayStation um, 3 version 2? As well. Version 2.0? God damn it. Um, so they're still working on this. Uh, it's still being developed, obviously. Um, I don't. 
if we have if there's a release date i didn't write it down so that might be something you need to look up yourself um but uh i would say you know you could likely just go check google look for 2002 resident evil or gamecube resident evil and you'll find pictures of what it looks like it looks incredible compared to the original um and it's essentially the same game they've just modified how it plays out i guess Anyway, um, check it out, and uh, let us know what you think. So staying on the topic of video games, uh, there's a... I did that on purpose. I figured as much. (laughs) There is now a teaser trailer out there for Silent Hills, with an S. Plural. Many hills. All of the hills. Run for the hills. It means that there's more than one town named Silent Hill. That's weird. I'm, I don't know. I'm oh. just speculating. Uh, Postulating. This is a collaboration between Hideo Kojima, who is... What what exactly is his role on Metal Gear Solid? Is he oh, a he's the designer? Creator. Oh, the creator. Okay, yeah. uh, and Guillermo del Toro. Who, if you don't know who he is, then just punch yourself in the dick right now. <laughs> uh, it's going to star Norman Reedus. Yeah, aka Daryl Dixon. AKA, AKA um, Mur- Murphy. Oh, from Boondock Saints. It's probably O something, but I don't think it's O from Boondock Saints. <laughs> You jackass. <laughs> um, th- is this... There's currently a, a demo? I believe so. I haven't checked into it my, myself. I don't know why, but... Yeah, you have the PlayStation Store, so you yeah. should fucking do that. But there is an interactive, playable demo out there. Yeah, and... Which which is weird, because it's... They advertise it as, like, a teaser. like Kind of like a, like a teaser trailer, basically. But it's interactive, which is kind of cool, I think. Yeah. It's not so much a standard demo where it's like a piece of the game. At least I don't think. I haven't played the game, obviously. But it's not just like a chunk of the game where you get to a point and then it's like, thanks for playing the demo. Um, (laughs) Murphy McManus. That's McManus. That's the one. I'm kind of disappointed in us. We should have known that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they always call them the Saints. They don't really go That's by their true. last there's name. Not, there's not often. a whole lot of instances where they actually call them by name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, they, they say Connor and Murphy, but that's really it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I got to play this. I wanted to do it already, but we had a short week, so. Yeah. So if you have played it, then please... Let us know how it is. You can leave a comment on our website on this post. Mm-hmm. Or email us or tweet us or Facebook us or Google Plus us or Instagram us or whatever, wherever the fuck you want. Just do it. Just fucking tell us. <laughs> uh, and I will check it out and report back. Um, I, did you watch the trailer at all? No. Ah, the graphics I saw pictures, though. I did see pictures of the graphics. They look it's awesome. Yeah, the, the next-gen consoles are fucking sick. Yeah. 
like I saw screenshots from uh, WWE 2K15 and uh, NBA 2K15, mm-hmm. and they're both just absolutely incredible. I saw a picture from WWE. The one of John Cena? Yeah, he looks like a mongoloid. He's He's got this low brow, and he's, uh, he looks very angry. It's like I know John Cena has a very l- prominent brow, but he doesn't look like a fucking caveman. <sighs> it's... Yeah, I mean it's it's still not perfect, but it's <laughs> it's still pretty pretty fucking amazing. Right. Um, anyway, I yeah, re- I highly recommend you check it out. Just head over to YouTube and um, search for it. And I think maybe next episode, hopefully, I will have checked out this demo by then. I'll report back and give you my thoughts. some updates on uh, American Horror Story Freak Show. Got a, cu- a couple of more cast members have been revealed. Um, uh, crap, what is this guy's name? <laughs> John Carroll Lynch. Thank you. Uh, he will be playing the clown killer. Yeah. Uh, he, he's probably best known as Drew Carey's brother. Yeah. On the Drew Carey Show. His cross-dressing brother. <laughs> right. Um, Ryan Murphy described the character of the clown killer as uh, the most terrifying evil clown to ever grace the small screen. Uh, he knows that it was a TV movie, right? I'm I'm wondering if he does. Yeah, I said because when you got Pennywise the clown, that's stiff competition. Yeah, I mean even. The Pennywise that they pick for the movie of it won't it will pale in comparison to Tim Curry. We've been over this, so we won't get into it again. But that's a uh, it's a bold statement, very bold. And uh, there is actually a leak of the the opening credits to American Horror Story Freak Show, and you can see the clown killer in in the the video. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's creepy. He is creepy. Um, not to mention there was actually a, a picture posted of what looks like uh, a call list from the show. When uh, those of you that don't know what a call list is, it's kind of an industry term of literally just a list of characters that are needed on set, um, and the actors that play them. So. Um, that was revealed. We've got Jessica Lange um, playing Elsa Mars. Kathy Bates is. We, we know that Jessica Lange is the um, the ringleader. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the head of the freak show. Uh, Kathy Bates is playing Ethel Darling. Sarah Paulson is playing Betty and Dot Tatler. Um, Evan Peters is playing Jimmy Darling, um, and. Anne McKenzie is playing Eudora Tatler. Erica Irvin is Amazon Eve. John Carroll Lynch as the Twisted Clown. This is the one I'm most intrigued by, is the next one you're about to read. Uh, Matt Frazier, Paul the Illustrated Seal. Yeah, that's uh, a... What is that? I I don't know. Um, There's also Rose Siggins playing Legless Susie. Not just a clever name, (laughs) I assume. Um, Naomi Grossman as Pepper. 
Christopher Neiman as Salty. Ben, Salty and Pepper. Ah. Ah. Um, ben Wolf as Meep. Grace Gummer as Penny the Candy Striper. Ramona Tyler as Mildred Bachman. And then the list goes on, but it's kind of all... Richard something as Dark Figure. Yeah. Anywho. Meep just makes me think of Beaker. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that's all that we could really make out on this list. It's uh, not a great picture, but it does give you some insight onto the, at least character names and specific actors. Um, and then we also know that Jody, uh, or possibly Jody, uh, MG has joined the cast. She <laughs> tell is. She, tell them who she is. She is the world's smallest woman. <laughs> um, it's an interesting title to hold. She weighs eleven pounds and is two feet tall. That seems light, even for somebody two feet tall. She has achondroplasia. I'm not entirely sure what that is, other than that it's a form of dwarfism. What are we doctors? I'm going to assume she's going to play some kind of tiny person. That, yeah. That would be the logical guess. And then one other bit of casting news is we know that Patti LaBelle is joining the cast. Patti LaBelle. You haven't heard this one? No. Yeah. Uh, As far as I know, they have not announced who she will be playing. Of course not. But she is joining the cast. Interesting. Um, yeah, she'll, she'll be appearing in a four-episode arc, so she she won't be ah. a full-time. But uh, apparently, she's going to play the mother of Gabori Sidibe's character, mm-hmm. a townie in 1952 Jupiter, Florida, who discovers the secrets of Twisty the Clown Killer. Uh huh. So there you go, and oh. there will be no singing. Oh. <laughs> no, no forced out-of-place singing. <laughs> Just a random musical episode of American Horror Story. All the other shows have done it. I'm just waiting for American Horror Story to do it. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, um, I mean, it seems like the most frequent news for this show uh, is revealing new characters and new actors. So if anything else pops up, we'll be sure to tell you. Bring back Quinto. (laughs) I know he wants to come back. Does he? He was the best part of season one. Yes. That is my dog playing with a frisbee. That is your dog being a dick while we're trying to record. Suka, don't be a dick. Anyway, so yeah, we'll keep you up to date, just like everything else. It's been raised upon your body and your soul. Total control. Alright, we saved this one for last because we're going to get fucking pissed right now. So, a lot of you may have already heard this. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this movie. Uh, Eli Roth's newest film, uh, The Green Inferno, did its uh, festival run. uh, Last year. Last year, yeah. So we've been waiting a long time for this. We we thought we were going to review it way back, didn't we? Um... When it was first picked up, they wanted to give it a, I believe, January release. Right. And Eli Roth pushed for a September release because he wanted to come out in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Not just in time, but like around, which I don't know why not October, but. So, yeah, it's it's been in in the wings 
mm-hmm. and we've had, we have been waiting for almost a year, yeah. or will have been waiting for almost a year by then. So Deadline reported that Green oh, Inferno right. <laughs> has been pulled from release. Yep, not moved, not rescheduled, just pulled. Yeah. Um, doesn't really seem to be any solid explanation. Um, it, uh, Open Road, who is the, the company that's releasing it, it, basically they're being dicks. Yeah. That's what I get from it. So this happened because the financier, Worldview Entertainment, um, a, the CEO at the time, basically committed to a certain dollar amount for the movie. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it's Worldview, not Open Road, that's being the dicks. Right. Um, don't know why, but he is now the ex-CEO. <laughs> um, so the new the new management <laughs> uh, is basically saying, fuck that, you're not getting any money. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, um, the the fact that the release date has been scrapped has been confirmed by um, Open Road, which is the production company, um, and they won't confirm or deny whether or not there's going to be any uh, a later release date or any VOD or straight to video, anything like that. Um, yeah. So okay. So it looks like the former CEO. Uh, he just left without explanation, at least publicly. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds so, like he still wants to provide some kind of value to this movie and get paid for it, I assume. And Worldview is like, no, you left. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, it does seem that Worldview isn't just abandoning the movie. Um, apparently they're doing some kind of behind the curtain work with, uh, with Roth and I assume probably open road, um, to try and figure this out and get some funding for the movie. Um, so hopefully we'll see it eventually, but at this point there is absolutely no chance that we're seeing it anytime soon. Yep. Um, which is ultimately disappointing because we were going to be reviewing it on the show when a couple episodes. Yeah. So that's not happening now. Yeah, we had it on our calendar, and now it's scrapped. And I, it fucking pisses me off that this movie's not happening because of bureaucratic bullshit yeah. that has nothing to do with Eli Roth, has nothing to do with the movie itself. Mm-hmm. It's all just these fucking backdoor politics and two guys in fat suits bitching at each other. And that's why this movie's not happening. Yeah, it's, it's like it's almost like a pissing contest, or you know, like who's gonna be like? It's almost like who's who's gonna be more manly? Or, who's, know, who's gonna back down first? Yeah, yeah. And me, meanwhile, Eli Roth is stuck in the middle. Yeah, and so are we. Yeah, because we want to see the fucking movie. Yeah, I kind of wish Roth would just like. I mean, I'm sure he has a contract and he can't do this but i would like to see him just take it somewhere else or you know just crowdsource like a uh just a video release or something yeah <sighs> anyway so 
that's probably the last we're going to be reporting on this for a while. Unless something else happens. Yep. I'm just left playing the Green Inferno Survival on my tablet. Well, I believe that is going to do it for Horror Business. I think we spent long enough doing it. Uh, Hour 20. That's not terrible, I guess. So before we get to the reviews... Let's go ahead and uh, play an ad from one of our fellow pod gods. Hey, this is Brian. This is Tony. And we're the Salty Language Podcast. You betcha. Part of the Pod Gods Network. Yep. Um, Find all our goodness at saltylanguage.com. Right, or on podgodsnetwork.com. Exactly. Uh, Our podcast, we cover all sorts of stuff. Weird news, geek news, movies. Sexy time. (laughs) Comic books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, we're uh, two guys who've been friends for like a thousand years. Yeah, we make fun of everything and everybody. Nobody's safe. Yep. So if you're into that kind of thing, you know, we're definitely a not safe for work podcast. So, if, you know, if you like uh, funny, you like silly, all that kind of stuff, you know, give us a listen. Oh, for sure. Again, you know, that's uh, saltylanguage.com. Right on. Podcastnetwork.com. Have a beer, you'll be fine. Yep. You betcha. We out. Now to the reviews. do first uh let's go ahead and we'll do them in the order that we watched them so we'll do up first is the purge anarchy can you step on it it's getting late i'm sorry i'm so anxious it's just tonight we're gonna be okay just like always no no this can't be happening. No one's going to help us tonight. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. All emergency services will be suspended. Your government thanks you for your participation. Why did you make me watch this? It's out there. It's new. I felt like everyone else was doing reviews of it. So I felt like we had to do one too. Do you know those two familiar names in the credits? Yeah. I know. Michael fucking Bay and Brad fucking Fuller. Oh, yeah, that guy. Do you notice the title card for Platinum Dunes? Yes, I saw... Are we not going to see the new Friday the 13th because it's Platinum Dunes? No, we're going to go fucking see it. You know we are. I'm we're going to fucking pay money for that shit. I'm a 
fucking Friday the 13th fan. Of course I'll fucking see it. Yeah, well, we're fucking horror fans, so we can watch this. Was this a horror? I don't know. That's my thing about this. Well, that can be said for both these movies. I think the other one was more of a horror than this. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, The Purge Anarchy from 2014. The kind of sort of sequel to The Purge. It's technically a sequel. It's really not related in any way other than that it's the same storyline. The original Purge was basically about one family during this event called The Purge where for 12 hours everything is legal. Purge, like the title. Right. It's not just a clever name. I never saw the original. Me neither. it looked really stupid. It did. I thought this one looked better. Um, well, <laughs> it's better's relative, so we can't say. Um, but during this event, everything is legal, including murder. Yeah. Which, of course, is pretty much the only thing that anyone does. You can use up to a class four weapon, weapon which, whatever the fuck that means. Um... So in this one, it's more it's it's three groups of people who end up all converging and joining one group, and they're trying to stay alive during the purge. For whatever reason, they left their homes and are now just trying to survive the night. That's it. That's the, that's what that's the synopsis basically. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to get into too much more detail without giving a lot away. Um, I guess Frank Grillo, who plays uh, Sergeant, is basically just this fucking Rambo. He's got this armored car, loads up on guns, and he's hitting the the night. But he's not out to purge. Well, no, he is. Well, he is, but not just for fun. He's not just going out and killing randomly because he can. Right, he's got a particular person in mind. He's got an agenda. Is it a spoiler to say what he was actually doing? I mean, they kind of hint at it. They don't actually, like... They they don't really specifically say until towards the end, so it might be. Right. Yeah. Uh, And then there is Callie and Ava, a mother and daughter who uh, their apartment was broken into, and they were actually taken uh, outside to be given in some capacity we don't really know what but to this guy named big daddy mm-hmm. um and then there is uh uh one of the other two guys names uh shane and liz a married couple who their car breaks down and so they're running around trying to not die yeah did you i mean you know you've lived there but could you tell off the bat that this was in New York. Was it? Yeah. I was trying to figure that out. Okay. Yeah, I I thought it was um, L.A. at first, but all of, like, Sergeant's car had a New York plate on it. Oh, did so. it? Because I remember at one point they, they go to, like, the subway, but it says, it says, like, Blue Six Line or something like that. That is not a New York subway. Hmm. It would be the Six train, not the Blue Six, so I don't know. Oh, wait. No, this is Los Angeles. It is. Okay. Then what the fuck? Unless he's, like, from New York or something. Maybe, I guess. Or it was an oversight by the editors. 
It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, so, do you remember when we were on um, video game break? Yeah. And we discussed how uh, we would like to see Manhunt developed into a movie? Yeah. I think this is it. <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, this is as close as we're going to get, I think. But it just it, it reminded me a lot of Manhunt because there's these little gangs. Which, yeah. you know, as you progress through Manhunt, there was all the different gangs. There was the Smileys and... Yeah. That's really the only one I remember, but... Yeah, I mean, I think the there's this continuous... Like, there's a gang that seems to be led by the guy, this guy in the mask that you've likely seen before on all the posters and all the fucking advertising. The one that pictures. says God. Yeah. The guy's fucking everywhere. Um, you think he's going to be some, like, major character, and he's not. He pops up every now and again. He's kind of chasing what are they? What's his, what are their names? Uh, Shane, uh, Shane, Shane and Liz. Yeah. Um, and he, you think he's going to be some kind of like creepy mute, but he eventually he takes his mask off and starts talking. And he's just like, for all intents and purposes, a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a lot to say positive or I don't have a lot of positive things to say about this um this movie is only I I believe it's like 89 minutes or something but it is too long it is and you know what it's it it feels painfully long and something I like I took almost no notes because I didn't think there was anything noteworthy (laughs) But, I, think, I think both of us have moved past the point of notes at this. Yeah, I think we both agreed that our conversations flow a little more naturally when we're not quoting off of notes. But one of the things I did write down was that through, I'd say probably about three quarters of the movie. Um, no, sorry, not. I'd say probably maybe a quarter of the way, maybe barely halfway through the movie. Eight hours of this twelve-hour purge period has passed, and then the last four hours takes up the rest of the movie. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Just like they they wait fucking eight hours for something interesting to happen, and then the last four suddenly that's when all the shit starts to go down. Um, you just show. I mean, the premise of the of both of these movies. This and the original is so asinine to me. The fact that the country would ever resort to legalized uh, criminalism. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely out there. It's bullshit. I mean, well, yeah, but it's it's a fucking movie, dude. Like it's dumb. <laughs> the concept is stupid. It's so far fetched and unbelievable. It's like. What this takes place in 2023, so do the math. How many years? Nine. Nine years in the future, the country has descended to the point where they've legalized and this, killing this is for the sixth years. annual purge. Yeah, which means three years from now. Yeah, something fucked up happened three years from now that the U.S. government said, "Okay, in order to expunge poor people." 
and homeless and unemployed. We're going to legalize killing for 12 hours once a year. So somebody really fucked up was going to get elected president in 2016. P- apparently. <laughs> Another fucking... Dog. Don't 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 go there. Anyway, um, so just the premise alone, it, it, it's all led by people. This group called uh, the New Founding Fathers. Yeah, never doesn't doesn't really elaborate on who those people are. Illuminati. L- Illuminati. <laughs> um, there is a resistance group, a very generic resistance group. Um, they don't even have a name, do they? I don't think so. Not, not that I can recall. I think they just referred to him as like Carmelo's group. Yeah. They were um, led by this guy named Carmelo Jones, played by Michael K. Williams. Right. Who you may know as Otis from The Wire. I didn't watch The Wire, but... And he uh, he does net scams a lot. He does like the, the um, uh, starting lineups and stuff. Ah. Huh. Okay. Because he's from Brooklyn. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, is. This guy, he, he he does these, like, anti-government speeches. Like, he, he'll, like, hijack the the big screens that are put up around the city to kind of... I don't know what's advertised on them the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> but on Purge Night, it's used Coca-Cola to, commercials yeah. on Twitter feeds. <laughs> but they're, they're, like, in, like hillsides in like in the middle of suburban neighborhoods it's not like they're just like standard billboards that you see on the side of the road they're just in really weird places yeah um but they're used to notify like how much time is left in the like like when the purge is starting how much time's left in the purge and when the purge ends that's essentially what they're used for on purge night um and he will, this Carmelo guy, he'll hijack these screens and just go on these anti-government diatribes. It's very V for Vendetta. Yeah, except for the fact that V was very involved in the movie. <laughs> Carmelo didn't show up until like the last, what, ten minutes? Yeah, probably. I mean, you keep thinking this guy's going to show up and it's going to be kind of like a like a running man type thing to where they... You unite in this, you, or you know, united resistance front, and they take down the the, the system. Or See, whatever. I didn't quite get that. I I expected that they they would find him somewhere towards the end of the movie, and he would end up just being this total fraud. That was kind of my expectations. I could have saw that too. Yeah, um, but yeah, he shows up like ten minutes before the end of the movie. After all, <laughs> conveniently, after a bunch of shit just went down, like right after it, it's like you couldn't be. Two minutes earlier. <laughs> it's almost like they were like waiting outside the door, waiting for like shooting to stop, and then they walk in. Yeah, that the whole um, uh, hunting grounds scene was so pointless in my mind. Yeah, and it was also very hostile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of Hostel, mm-hmm. especially Hostel Two. Yeah, I mean, just to to elaborate a little bit on this, I guess is. The way that the rich people purge and still maintain their safety without actually having to go out in the public, they'll send crews out to pick up people off of the street. They'll bring them to a secure area, and like you said, it's like kind of like a human hunting ground. They'll they'll purge them like like they're hunting caged animals, basically. Yeah, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Um. 
and also they'll pay people to be is actually referred to as a martyr. Mm-hmm. It's conceptually this is so stupid. I mean, obviously they're they're paying the people's family because you're obviously not going to get that money. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it was kind of dumb, and it, it reminded me a lot of Hostel, just the way that they brought in these people specifically to be hunted. Yeah, and. The character of uh, Sergeant, was that the only name they gave for him? Yeah. Sar- oh, well, That's what he's in the credits as. Sergeant Leo Barnes, apparently he had a name. Oh. The On IMDb, it just says Sergeant. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they only ever referred to him as Sergeant, at least that I remember. Um, <clears throat> lost my train of thought. Oh, um, he's almost like a Frank Castle type character. And obviously... He's a sergeant of something. Frank Castle is the Punisher. Oh, okay. Um, but he's just like this killing, this highly yeah, trained is. killing machine. But you don't know who he is. Yeah, I mean, they never at least if they said it, it slipped past me. They didn't say like if he was like military, military or, or cop or yeah. something. But he's just like this trained killing machine. And there's very little focus on it, other than the fact that he can just beat the shit out of anybody that fucks with him. And if I'm not mistaken, they don't even call him Sergeant until almost the end of the movie. I don't remember. That was me. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I believe that that Big Daddy is the first person to call him Sergeant, which would lead you to believe that they knew each other. But that's never explained either. Well, it seemed like Big Daddy... I don't know, I can't get into it without revealing plot points. Um... Big Daddy knew who he was. It didn't see, strike me as they knew each other, but Big Daddy knew who he was. Okay. I think that's all I can really say. I, I know where, where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, anyway. <sighs> and uh, Noel G is in this movie, who you would recognize as the Mexican gangster from every movie ever. (laughs) Yeah. The guy who has a monkey fly out of his butt in Bruce Almighty. (laughs) With fucked up teeth. Yeah. Was he supposed to be like a meth head or something? I don't know. Apparently in the future, everything just sucks. (laughs) Including people's teeth. I mean, he was at least a drunk. We know that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's not really important to the story, so that's I'm done talking about him now. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that he was in this and he <laughs> plays basically the same character that he always plays. Yeah, although he's not as much of a gangster in this one. No, he's just some low. He's just a shithead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the thing I liked about the movie is the masks. I, for me, it wasn't so much the masks. Like it was the guy, the people that had their faces painted. Like, I mean... The, Did you happen to see the story about the guy the guy who had his face painted like kind of like a skeleton with the cross on his forehead? Yeah. You saw the story about him? Yeah. Yeah, apparently this guy, he, he was used in a lot of the promo art and, like, billboards and posters and stuff. And so he's... Um, and he, he didn't feel that he was properly compensated for it. He was told he was going to be an extra only. And uh, so now he is suing the filmmakers. So... 
that's pretty much the last movie you'll ever see him in. Yeah. Um, he wasn't an extra. No, he was a fairly prominent character. I, I don't even know if I go so far to say prominent, but he he, he was, was front and center. Yeah, he was part times. of the plot. Yeah, he wasn't just some That's background character. Um, like use that in your next role. Like when you're trying out for a role, say I was the guy on the fucking billboards for the purge. Yeah, I bet his agent was just like, oh my god. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, the face paint was cool for me. I mean, even that guy, as simple as that was, it looked cool. Like there was one guy, and he had like a half a mask, and then he had his the bottom half of his face and his neck painted to look like a giant mouth. Yeah, that was cool. That that was my favorite. That looked awesome. That was the guy that drove the the ice cream truck or whatever it was they they had the uh, like panel van uh-huh. yeah he was uh, the driver and then I liked the guy who had like the um the half mask it was kind of it was kind of like a dopey looking yeah but okay it was like burned on one side I don't know I just remember it being covered in blood mm. I don't know if it was somebody else's or his but anyway um so so that was what I liked about it <laughs> I tell you, I didn't like anything. <laughs> Not a single thing. Um, Not even the masks? Well, okay. Yeah, the masks and like the face paint, those were kind of cool. Um, that's really it. The, 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 it was very action-y. It was For something that, that classifies itself, I, I believe it classifies as a thriller horror. Okay. But yeah, it's very action-y. It's very, like, lots of gunfights and guys punching each other. And yeah. It's not so much of, like, a dramatic, creepy horror film. Yeah. I, I, I get the impression that this was a lot more action-driven than the original. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can't verify or, or deny that but um so stupid. <laughs> you know I, I i was gonna say something but now i forgot what it was it was pretty important so i'm a little upset that i forgot it oh all right well um if you don't have anything else you ready for numbers oh god i really want to remember what i was gonna say I feel like they could have made this much creepier if they wanted to. You could have had sure. like people stalking them in the streets, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just driving up on them and firing guns at them. Yeah. You could have had, you know, somebody walking through an alley scraping a machete on the side of the building. Yeah. Could have been much creepier. I remember what I was going to say. Um, going on my stance of this premise just being absolutely stupid. Um, not only would the government have have had to approve that there was going to be this annual 12-hour period where people could just do anything they want. Vandalism, fucking rape, um, murder, anything. All the fucking cleanup that has to be done after that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That had crossed my mind while I was watching it. Are you fucking serious? What? Especially if, like, you have to assume some 
ultra conservative douchebag would have had to suggest this. No, no liberal would ever would have ever even brought this up. Um, you think they're gonna want to pay for all that? <laughs> and what's interesting is like when the purge ends, like this, it's it's just it. It's over, and then everyone can go back about their lives. Yeah, it feels like there should be like a another twelve-hour period where only the cleanup crews can go out. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you don't have little kids going out their front door and seeing twelve dead bodies in their lawn. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is just the movie is just dumb. It, you know, one one thing I guess one thing I could say I, I did like was the fact that despite this having or being a platinum dunes movie uh no metal words yeah it didn't feel michael bay no it did feel douchey yeah and there were plenty of loud noises sure but it it didn't have those stereotypical michael bay things which makes me think that this was one that michael bay didn't have his paws all over he just kind of threw money at it yeah something that blows me away because it's not from our childhood that's why right um Something that blows me away is that this cost $9 million to make, and it made 96... Good Lord, that's a lot of 96 money. million. So, yeah, $96.3 million in the box office. So it cost $9 million to make? Apparently. Interesting. And what's their overhead? Actors, a couple semi-trucks, fake yeah. guns. There's definitely not a lot of gore. No, there's a lot of blood, but I don't I don't really consider that gore. Yeah, it's basically just bullet wounds. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, so I'm done. Okay, well, I'm going to say uh rewatchability none. Yeah. Uh entertainment at the time I would say there's some, but it's very little. Uh, definitely felt too long, even though it's not very long. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's it's interesting because if they had cut out that huge chunk of the the hunting ground scene, then when it was over, I would have been like, "That's it." Yeah. But, but at the same time, it's just the, it felt so long because the the it's that part seems so detached from the rest of the movie. Yeah. That's that's the best way I can describe it. So overall, I'm going to say two point five. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah, you rated that lower than I thought. Because I was just going to say two. Um, like you said, there's absolutely no rewatchability. Um, I would never even consider to watch this again. I might actually actively avoid it. Um, the Like I've stated over and over, the premise is fucking ridiculous and just completely unbelievable. Um just a very simplified story I mean like you could tell that character development and like any semblance of a story was sidelined for just action scenes and you know gunplay um yeah it's just dumb so yeah two uh highly recommend not watching this I don't think I typically do that. I think I just kind of let my words speak for themselves. But I'm oh, going... oh, 
I forgot I wanted to point out. One thing that this movie does that I fucking hate more than anything when a movie does is when they have the characters in the movie describe what is happening in the movie. How do you mean? Like, the um, when Shane and Liz get picked up by Sergeant, and then the um, the Smileys, the gang, um, they, like, come around the corner, and Shane looks out the back window and he goes... That's them. That's the people who are chasing us. Now they're following us. It's like, I can see what's happening. <laughs> I don't need you to fucking narrate it for me. Yeah. Of course, I mean, Michael Bay's involved, so he just kind of assumes everybody's dumb. He seems to, yeah. But it's funny because he's the one that's dumb. Got him. Burned. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, fuck this movie. Don't watch it. Please, like, seriously, don't watch it. Don't support this shit. Don't, like, I mean, even if you rent it from Redbox, you know, $96,373,290 in box office alone. If you go and rent this from Redbox or pay for an iTunes or Google Play or any of that shit, you're just contributing another $5 to that. Don't do it. Just say no to The Purge. Anarchy. And the first one, because it probably sucks, too. All right, let's go move on. Um, the movie that I picked was Deliver Us From Evil. There are six stages to exorcism. Presence. Pretense. Breakpoint. Voice. Clash. And expulsion. During each stage, you will do exactly as I say and nothing else. Don't talk to it, don't listen to it, just read and pray. I got it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. So we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Get ready. From what? Evil. Evil. So, uh, Deliver Us From Evil is a movie from this year, um, and it's kind of, it's described as a horror crime movie, which, I don't know, I think maybe you could put that in the same genre as, like, maybe Seven. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely had that kind of feel, I think. Just really dark and God help me for using the term gritty. gritty. I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, it uh, was actually based on a book by the person that the main Eric Bana, the main character, uh, his character was based on uh, Ralph Sarchi, and the book was titled "Beware the Night." Um, the the book, or sorry, the movie. Um, it's it's basically about uh, Ralph Sarchi, who is a sergeant in the New York Police Department, uh, particularly in the Bronx. 
Um, and he, you, you should mention that the book is true events. Yeah, true in quotations. I mean, call me a skeptic, but exorcisms, just no. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Ralph, Ralph Archie, like I said, he's a, he's a detective sergeant in, uh, the, the Bronx, um, and he kind of deals with really nasty cases in particular. Like, it's almost like he seeks them out. He has something that he kind of refers to as his radar. It's like just kind of an internal feeling that it draws him towards these really fucked up cases. Well, his partner refers to it as radar. Yeah, well, maybe you have to assume it's kind of a, a mutual term almost. Um, his partner, by the way, played by Community's Joel McHale. <laughs> Whoever fucking would have seen him in, in a semi-serious role? Not me. Even after watching the movie, I still don't see it. Yeah, I mean, he played such a fucking goofball, and he gets into like a, f- a couple fight scenes. It's like really, <laughs> and it's like like, like a knife fight. Like they're both like knife fights. His character is like, he's just like, he's got this um, pocket knife. Not, not like a Swiss Army knife, but like a real like knife. Like a butterfly knife or something. Something, you know, like a, it's a folding knife, but it's relatively big. Anyway, he almost seems obsessed with it. He like, he's like see him cutting up an apple with it and just fucking around with it. And, um, and he, both fights that he gets in in, these, in this movie, he has a knife in his hand it's like you're a fucking police officer you're gonna stab someone (laughs) (laughs) um how are you gonna explain that to your superiors and i be um anyway um so uh and he does a horrible boston accent mikhail yeah was he supposed to was he supposed to was it supposed to be terrible Was, was he supposed to be from boston yeah Oh, I mean, I know he was wearing a Red Sox hat, but I didn't gather that that was because he was from Boston. Uh, it sure sounded like he was trying to do a Boston accent to me. Oh, well, could have been. I know that Eric Bana's New York accent seemed really over the top. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you would know better than I would, but... Uh, Did you spend a lot of time in the Bronx? No. <laughs> My girlfriend would be the better one to ask for that. She went to college in the Bronx. Ah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, Eric Bana, if you, if you don't know, he's Australian, and his American, like his just standard West Coast American accent, is very harsh and deliberate. So him doing something so heavy and thick, like a Bronx accent, just seemed really over the top. At least it wasn't Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. No, Long Guyland. <laughs> um. God, I haven't talked about the movie at all. Um, so, uh, Ralph gets called in to a domestic disturbance case, or, you know, a, a call, and he and his partner report to it, and find this guy, he's just, he's beaten his wife, and he is, he seems like a shitty person at first, but then you kind of slowly see that he's, like, kind of crazy. And he ends up running away, and, uh, they chase him down and, you know, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> um, you find out that Ralph has anger problems. <laughs> um, 
after that, he get, they get called into a, a case at the zoo um, and discover this woman that has thrown her son, like, little son, like, maybe... Baby. Th- yeah. It's a two, baby. three years yeah. old, yeah. Into the moat in the lion's den. Um, or not in the lion's den, but surrounding the lion's den. Um, and she is batshit crazy. <clears throat> and don't know why, and... All, the, all she's the only thing she will say are the lyrics to break on through the other side by the doors. Yeah, that's the only thing she'll say. Um, and so they take her in, and he's met by uh, was it Joe Mendoza, um, who is a Jesuit priest uh, working special cases for the church, and he has been called in by. Um, this woman's family to kind of figure out what's going on with her. Um, and he is a um, specialist. <laughs> if you watch the movie, you'll get that inside joke. <laughs> um, so through different occurrences and encountering different people, you they come to find out that there's this trio of soldiers that were in Iraq together. They, they actually, I guess I should say the movie starts off with this scene. Three soldiers, they wander into a cave in Iraq and are possessed by this evil demonic energy. Um, There's basically a, an incantation on the wall. And yeah. Whoever reads it becomes possessed. Right. And I don't think you even have to verbalize it. I think it's, if you yeah. just read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's referred to as a, a door. So there's a lot of the door's references in this movie. A little bit too much in my mind. Yeah. It, 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 I think we were we were watching it, and it's just like, okay, the we doors, get it. we get it, yeah. Um, I mean, like, most of the soundtrack were Doors songs. And it was only after this encounter with... Jane, that that seemed to seems to start. Yeah. So as Ralph starts to encounter more and more weird things, he's starting to hear things. He's starting to see things. Um, he starts to kind of meet up with this priest, and the priest is telling him that about the world of exorcism, basically, um, and how that there's this evil that's been brought back with these soldiers and how it needs to be exercised and um Ralph he grew up Catholic <clears throat> and now he's completely cynical about it which seems to be par for the course for a lot of old Catholics there was some comedian I think it might have been Mike Robiglia who was like you can or no maybe it was Lucy K but they were like you can always tell someone who was raised Catholic because they're atheist yeah <laughs> I think I was Berbiglia. Um So, yeah, he, he like, Mendoza, he, he realizes that he must be Catholic because he, he, or Ralph must be Catholic because he's been calling him father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and he says that he, he, he outgrew Catholicism. <laughs> so, um, and things, he, he Ralph, 
like I said, he's starting to see and hear things, and he seems like he's bringing it home with him. And his, I guess mainly his daughter, is starting to see things too. Maybe not, like, not things that nobody else can see, but things moving and sounds. Yeah, she hears, like, a scratching under the floorboards in her room. Yeah. And then that fucking owl head. Ha ha hoo! If you watch the trailer for this, you can actually see this owl head we're talking about. It, like, rolls off of her shelf and then rolls by itself across the floor and just goes, ha ha <laughs> Creepy. And then it starts kind of going, ha, ha, yeah. ha. And then there's a jack-in-the-box. and Anyway, so uh, to kind of wrap up this really lengthy explanation of the movie, basically Ralph starts to work with uh, Father Mendoza to track down these three soldiers. Actually, I guess it's just mainly just one. He seems to be kind of like the the first one that was possessed. One of them is dead. Right. I was going to mention that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um and uh, work together to try and exercise this evil because Ralph is starting to get to a point where he can't deny what he's seeing and hearing. He can't just pass it off as mania or whatever. Yeah, anyway. when he hears the doors everywhere he goes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he, he, starts, he starts to hear music, not just like voices, but like it comes to a point where he's actually hearing music and specific music like the doors yeah um and that can that actually becomes pretty intense towards the end of the movie yeah at one point it's like the only thing he can hear mm-hmm. um and he's seeing very striking and disturbing images of things from his past mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's all I'll say about that but um that's exactly how I was gonna word it alright um so it, it was a, this was an interesting take on religious horror I think in that it was very crime procedural driven yeah for um, sure I mean like I mentioned seven earlier had a lot of strong amount of religious connotation to it um but it was all based there's nothing really supernatural about it. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a religious fanatic um, carrying out his what he felt was his calling on people in, in a religious fashion. This actually has you know the supernatural elements. So the combination of a, a typical dramatic crime procedural paired with a supernatural. You know, or, or sorry, I guess you should say more of a religious supernatural theme and mixing them together. That's not, that's not something that you would think would combine so well, but I thought they actually did a pretty good job. I'm trying to think if there's another movie along those same lines, and I can't really think of anything. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is, but I just, nothing's it, coming to mind immediately. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, I don't know. I mean, I I enjoyed the movie overall, I think. Um, 
I wasn't, you know, over the moon about it. I I did think it was kind of slow at parts. It, yeah. Um, it does pick up a lot at the end. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, uh, it, I mean, if you if you've seen the main antagonist, which you know any if you look up any promo art, you'll see him. Mm-hmm. He's got cuts and scars all over his body. He's got words carved into his chest and stomach. Yeah. And he's 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 all messed up. <laughs> he's all fucked up. Um, but like you see that, I remember thinking when we were probably two thirds through the movie, thinking, looking at that guy, I expected this movie to be much more graphic. Yeah. But right around the time I was thinking that is when we saw the woman who jumped out the window (laughs) and I was like, Oh, there it is. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, there was, The, the, the last act does get, pretty graphic yeah that's when it really picks up and that almost seems strategic to me and that it wanted to keep the the -the over-the-top like supernatural elements kind of at bay until a certain point where it just kind of everything blows up yeah like when essentially when joe and father mendoza get to a certain point and it's almost like fitting that last piece of the puzzle in, and then that's when shit just gets insane. And, you know, maybe like getting that last tumbler in the lock, and then turning it and opening it. You know, yeah, kind of that that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. Um, yeah. This 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 movie is. Uh, just a hair under two hours long. Yeah, and you know, I when we started watching it, I just, that didn't even occur to me. I looked up how long it was, but it's like I was looking at it in minutes, and my fucking math skills are abysmal. <laughs> it's 118 minutes. Right. I was like, oh, that's not that long. <laughs> it's one hour and 58 minutes. Those of you who, like Tony, can't do math. Fuck you. I could have done it if I, you know, paid attention. Um, I do feel like it probably could have been cut down to, like, an hour 45, if not an hour and a half. Yeah, um, there is definitely a lot of... Um, but there's not huge chunks that it felt like this does not need to be there, like in like in The Purge. It, yeah. It's more just certain scenes could have been trimmed. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, like lengthy exposition yeah not to say that that wasn't important to the plot but it didn't have to be that long yeah yeah um but at the same time it wasn't like like you were watching it and going okay we get it move on mm -hmm. it just kind of almost in hindsight it, it seems too long yeah like when you're watching it there are kind of points where you're like all right that's this this scene, we we we've established what we need to establish. Yeah, but it's not like oh my god, it's painful to watch. Why are you still talking about this? Yeah, yeah. I if mean that I, makes sense. I, I feel no, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, there's a, one scene in particular where Ralph is arguing with his wife, played by Olivia Munn, which we, we were talking. It's like, did you ever see Olivia Munn playing a housewife? 
No, I think of Olivia Munn as like her character in New Girl, where she's just this like badass chick. Like that's that's who I feel like Olivia Munn should always play. I was I just always think of her like even still now you know she's been in you know she models and she uh, been in movies and TV shows and stuff. I always just think of her as her herself on G four. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's always where I go to, and I imagine she's still that person in real life, but. Just thinking of her as a housewife, you know, married with a with a kid, it's just not something that strikes me, I guess. Um, but anyway, there is a particular scene where Ralph and his and his wife, uh, how was her name, uh, Jen, um, they're arguing because he's very buttoned up about his work, and you know he kind of works like the really shitty cases, you know, or shitty things happen to good people. So he's not one to talk about it. I mean, who would? Who'd want to lay that on Yeah, you don't want to bring that home. Yeah. Um, And so he actually, like, he he blows up at his daughter that was, you know, being a kid, being obnoxious, but being a kid. Yeah. And blows up at her and and, uh, his wife just says what the hell are you doing and and uh basically just unloads on her all this shitty stuff that's happened just since the beginning of the movie um and that scene while it was important to to know that like he doesn't share this stuff with her and he's basically unloading on her um seemed a little long yeah um it was important, but yeah, just an example of something that, like a scene that in, didn't need to be as long as it was. Yeah, but um, I was intrigued by the, the like I mentioned, this movie starts on a it opens up in Iraq. Actually, no, I mean, I, I guess since this is based on you know, real accounts, then it's not really a, a plot point. <laughs> They're saying that it strikes me as weird that this starts in Iraq. I mean, like, why Iraq? But, I mean, if that's what happened in real life, then that's what happened. <laughs> True. But... Also, I find it kind of interesting that the, the movie starts out with that, you know, with those three guys, and then later, um, Sarchi watches the same video of the three guys that kind of recaps that opening scene it's like well, why was that opening scene even there then yeah well there was actually more when when Sarchi's watching it um Sarchi's Ralph I just I realized we're referring to him as by two different names so just so you can make that connection <coughs> um the, the 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 version in the opening scene and when Sarchi's watching it it's actually longer like there's more to it because it cuts out when too much like when there's really like a lot of interference on the camera and that's when it ends in the beginning but when Sarchi's watching it like you actually see that the 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 image comes back and there's more to it um so yeah yeah what else you got? I'm working on it. <laughs> I I always feel like exorcism scenes in movies 
are like they just end. Yeah. There's never like this super climax where you're like, you know, you don't get to ever see the demon leave the body or anything. It's just like demon be gone. Okay, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> this house has been cleansed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh I mean even probably- Which, I mean that's it's that's the nature of how it is, I'm sure. You know, I've obviously never been involved in an exorcism in real life, but you know, like you think about the exorcist, it's like, you know, once the demon is gone from Regan, it's just it's just over. Yeah. Um But it would seem so over the top if there was like a demon flying out of her mouth or something, you know, then you'd just be like, Oh come on, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean like I think religiously speaking that demon is essentially a bodiless entity Mm -hmm. um, to represent it as some kind of mist or some kind of shadow figure I think that would just be for visual effect right and like should those things exist in real life I don't think it's anything you'd ever see so yeah like I don't really know how you could find a middle ground of you know, somehow having that big moment and not having it look super campy and yeah, but yeah, I know. Like um, in in the show Supernatural, when they when a, when a demon leaves a body, because it's it's like in Supernatural, and I think it's just kind of across the board in a lot of um, religious themed, mainly horror, but you know. Really seem horror action whatever uh both angels and demons need human vessels mm-hmm. to kind of exist on earth um so in supernatural when a demon leaves a body or you know has been exercised or whatever uh they come out through the mouth in like this just giant cloud of black smoke and then the, the black smoke just kind of travels off um, so I, I think that's good for TV, but for not maybe, maybe not so much for film. Yeah. And especially if it's, you know, based on true events, like obviously that's yeah, not something you would expect to see. Yeah. Um, which it's, I mean, it's not a complaint. It's just a, I just always found it interesting that it's just kind of all this build up and then it's just over. Yeah. And it's like. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about this, I guess, but like at the end of an exorcism in this, it's just like, it's just done. Like, I guess this, it's, it's kind of like what you were saying, basically. And I think this could actually go for a lot of movies when it's just done and, you know, shit start stops flying. You know, the skies will brighten. You know, the lights come back on. And, you know, you know, person's levitating and they you know fall back to <laughs> fall back to the ground or whatever. Um, it's yeah, like you said, it's just suddenly over. But it's like you're still sitting there. It's like, is it over? Is it done? Yeah. Is this a ruse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like especially in this one, there's actually a part in the middle of the exorcism where uh, the 
body that's being possessed, his personality comes back. And Mendoza says, don't listen to him. He's hiding behind the personality of the person. Yeah. And I, I believe that happens in The Exorcist, too. Um, I, I'm sure, yeah. I think it's pretty standard. Operating. So that's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that's step three or whatever of the Exorcist handbook is well, that there's going to be this fake part. So, yeah, it's like when you get to the end, it's like, is it really over? Or is this another fake out? That was interesting, too, uh, the steps. I mean, like... Yeah, like he even specifically stages, says, I guess. you know, we're in this stage. Yeah. It's weird that an exorcism would be so... Mathematical. Choreographed. Yeah, choreographed, that's a good word. Um, I mean, you know, you've often... I've often heard, you know, even through, like, documentaries with, like, real priests, you know, and real people talking about quote real exorcisms um saying that no exorcism is alike yeah like you know anything could happen basically which seems far more logical in my mind I would think rather than just having like this standard you know textbook checklist yeah basically (laughs) um anyway I mean, I, I guess I don't want to go on too long about this. Um, it was a uh, all in all, I, I'd say I enjoyed the movie. It was entertaining. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not. I, I don't know that I would classify it as a horror, though. I feel like I would put this in more of like a crime thriller with horror elements. Well, the supernatural element for me, at least, definitely drops it in the horror category. I mean, I would, I would. If I had to put three classifications on it, I would put horror third. I would say, like, crime, thriller, horror. Yeah. Maybe. I, Which, I, I mean, I it's still, know. you know, it's enough to put it on the show, obviously, because here we are talking about it for the past half hour, but... Yeah, I mean, we talked about the fucking purge, too. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, yeah, all in all, uh, it was it was pretty good. Um, I don't think I'd call it the best movie I've seen this year, but it was... Enjoyable. Uh, I would say this is probably something I would watch again eventually. You know, um, I know my wife wants to see it, so I know we're going to have to watch it at some point. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So, um, any final thoughts? Um, I I do think it's rewatchable. Um, I think Seven is a good comparison for it. I think if... If you like Seven, you will probably like this movie. It's in the same vein. Yeah. Um, unless you just don't like supernatural religious aspects. Which a lot of people don't. I Yeah, I can see that. Um, I do think it has rewatchability. I think it has recommendability. Is that a word? It is now. All right. Shit. I mean, did you hear about the new additions to the Scrabble Dictionary? Yes. Yeah, so I think recommendability could be... A good word. All right. It's more legitimate than fucking YOLO. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, def, I do think, though, that, like we said, I think it felt too long, um, but not to the point where it was painful. Yeah, I think maybe not so much too long, just drawn out. Yeah. 
Um, overall, I think I would give it. Um, we'll go with my gut and say six. All right. Um, yeah, I think I think I, I agree with you. Um, it. Uh, I I enjoyed it as I said, um, and I would watch it again at at some point. Um, I don't know. I I, I guess maybe I, just, I, I I agree with you on pretty much all points. Um, the only real complaint I have is that yeah, it was it seemed drawn out and it was fucking Eric Bana's ridiculous accent. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, I like Joel McHale, but I don't. I don't think this was the right film for him. It was an odd choice. Yeah. Um, those are my only real complaints. I mean, they're not even great complaints. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I recommend seeing it. Um, so yeah, I think probably a six is a good, fair, uh, fair rating. So. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up another fabulous episode of the grave plot podcast um we were trying to get an interview in place for this episode but uh, we just we couldn't meet up match up schedules with with the person um but uh we're gonna try and get it in order for the next episode um hopefully next week sometime try and get that done yeah and then we've got a couple couple other things in the pipe too that we're gonna try and get for you in the future so stay tuned for all that goodness. Mm-hmm. Tell sh- them. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. As I say, just tell them where we, where they can find us. You can find us on the internet, pretty much fucking anywhere. Yeah. Uh, your best best bet is to go to graveplotpodcast.com. There are links to our Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram accounts there. There's also a uh, place to contact us or leave comments. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and any other podcast app that you may use. Make sure you check out podgodsnetwork.com. There you will find us and many other fabulous podcasts. We've and, both uh, used the word fabulous now. Oh, God. <laughs> We're fabulous. Fabulous. Hey. So, uh, yeah, until next time. I am Taylor of Terror. I am Skeletoni. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside.